Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legacy Cafe podcast with your host, Rob Lucy. Rob is the author of the book, How Will You Be Remembered? A Guide for Creating and Enjoying Your Legacies Now. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and find yourself a seat in the Legacy Cafe. Here's Rob. Thanks, Kathy. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Lucy. Welcome to the Legacy Cafe. This is going to be an episode on aging and how we've got it all wrong. I think you're going to find this pretty intriguing. First of all, a story, though, about my aging. I, I turned 21 in a bus station in, in uh, Bali, Indonesia. And I remember sitting there and having a few satay sticks and maybe a couple of tiger beer. I said to myself, my brain is not going to get any older than 21 because that's what my birthday was that day. And I, and I loved where I was. I was traveling the world. I was having a ball. So my brain's going to stay 21. I promised myself. The rest of me will deteriorate. That's, uh, that's definitely happened. But the brain is, I think, still full of some P and V, the phrase is. Uh, yes, the body's slipping a bit, a few mechanical problems and a little bit of cancer we got rid of. But uh, I guess is the, the story is I want to be young. I want to be young always. And I know I'm aging, and I can't say I really like it, but is my aging affecting how I'm living? And yes, uh, creating all the legacies that we've been talking about that give me some joy. The guy who knows all about this is our guest. His name is Dr. Bill Thomas. He's an author an entrepreneur, a musician, a teacher, a physician, and he's the International Authority on Geriatric Medicine and Elder Care. And his wide-ranging work explores the terrain of human aging. He's got a bunch of books, one of which I'm really looking forward to reading. We'll talk about that later. But joining me now from Ithaca, New York, is Dr. Bill Thomas. Bill, what is a geriatrician? What do you focus on? What do you do? Well, a geriatrician is a medical doctor, so I'm a medical doctor, uh, graduated from Harvard Medical School, and I'm the opposite of a pediatrician. So uh, my friends in pediatrics take care of young people, and I take care of old people. From the story I told about, about my f- fear of aging, do I represent the greater populace in that I'm, I'm worried about aging or I'm obsessed with being young? Is that how we're all thinking? Well, I, I, I think it is pretty clear if you look at the research that um, particularly Americans equate aging uh, with decline and youth with success. And um, so people really prefer success to decline. So in our culture, we prefer youth to age. And you said in some of your documents, you wanted to change the story of aging. What is the story of aging now? And what do you want? What do you think the story can and should be? Well, actually, I think you really set it up really well uh, at the top of the show there, just talking about this idea that um, that we we want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel like um, we're where we need to be and we're doing what we need to do. And too often, I think in our society, we we think that those things are really only fitted to youth. And my work and my research is really exploring this idea that aging is the word we use to describe human development when we're no longer young. And Rob, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I think probably you are no longer young. <laughs> well, my brain is, of course, but the rest of me, as they say, has moved along. I'm, I'm also a boomer. Did the boomers look for something new in aging? I mean, are they looking for their own story to tell about 
you know, the changes we have gone through in our growth or in our optimism or how, how, how a boomer affected it, it looked at aging? A book I did in 2014, um, it's called Second Wind, really took a hard look at boomers uh, and their story. And I was really trying to find out the what boomers think about aging. Boomers are complicated and kind of weird, and they have lots of different views on lots of different things. There, there, there isn't one idea about aging, just like the boomers didn't have one idea about youth either. That, that also, as you recall, was a complicated time. You talk about maturation and then following maturation, but you also, you also talk about the, I guess I call them the phases of life, from childhood to adolescence to adulthood. How should we look at those, and does it stop at adulthood? This is, you know, you're talking about the boomers. This is where I think things have, uh, we're at risk for things really going off the rails. Um, I do think a lot of people who belong to the boomer generation believe that adulthood is the final stage of human development, and that, that's it. You know, you became a grown-up, and you just ride it out. And in fact, around the world and through history, human beings have outgrown adulthood. I mean, outgrowing adulthood is a well-known phenomenon, and you can even you can find it in some religious texts, for example, where older people are venerated as uh, elders, uh, as sources of wisdom. But older people uh, have been recognized around the world as having left adulthood behind and become elders. Or I put it another way, people living in the life stage called elderhood. Where does elderhood begin? What's in place for elderhood to begin for me? Well, elderhood, in my experience and my belief, elderhood begins on the day you worry less about doing and more about being. Mm -hmm. And uh, it comes at different ages for different people. And sometimes it's related to health challenges and sometimes it isn't. But it's really the shift from being centered on the frenzy of adulthood and, and, and shifting your mental space toward a quieter, more reflective place that, uh, it, that many people see as deeper and richer and more meaningful. From small to large, I'm going to define legacy and I want you to react to it. So I, we, we define legacy in the book and here at the cafe as anything you create from tiny to large, in my experience, from say a little corner garden to an international charity, a legacy is something that connects you to others. It's key. It is. It enhances the lives of those around the legacy, and it, 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 you use your signature strengths, your talents, your skills, your values you, to create mm -hmm. it, and it, it, it makes you happy. So if you, if you have some agreement with that, how does this affect it as I, as I age, as I move from, from adolescence to adulthood to elderhood? Well, you know, as you, uh, you know, to connect it to the lifespan, as you get older, you can make cooler stuff. And we were talking about that at the beginning of the show. You know, the 21-year-old you, I'm, I'm sure I would have loved to hang out with, but was not, the 21-year-old you was not able to write this book, you know, How Will You Be Remembered? It, it, you know, that part of your creative power, you know, emerged out of your life experience. So I think that the reason legacy often often winds up in a same conversations as aging, to use your definition, is that as we get older, we're able to create things 
of greater complexity and depth and beauty than we can when we're young. And um, that's, there's no shortcut uh, to that. For example, in your book, when you're talking about your dad's stories, you know, Mm -hmm. those stories were lived when he was a young man, but they were told when he was an old man. And I I think that's really at the heart of what your movement and your book and your podcast, that's what, what really resonates for me. We say, there's a phrase, you know, what we think we become. Mm-hmm. Is my perception of aging determining how I age, how I live? There's a pile of research on this, and it all adds up. All the papers are adding up on the same thing. Just what you said, if you believe that aging is a bad thing, if you think aging is diminishing you, if you think aging weakens you, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. In fact, there's just in the last week a fascinating study out of Japan looking at uh, ageist stereotypes and the risk of dementia. And they, they went around the world and looked at and measured different countries' cultural attitudes toward aging and then correlated that with the risk of developing dementia. Here's what they found. Societies that hold the low aging in the lowest standing have the highest risk of dementia societies that hold aging in the highest regard have the lowest risk of dementia so when you say uh what you believe can is often what comes to pass that's really supported by research our society is run by adults without elder supervision and most humans, through most of history, wouldn't even recognize uh, or know what a society was that didn't listen to elders and take advantage of their wisdom. But it's hard to argue in America that elders have a significant voice at this point um, in the affairs of our society. So what I'm thinking, if, if our society needs elders then we need people who think like elders, and then we need people like you and I who respect them for being elders. I, I do think that uh, we, we can benefit from that. I, I'll just tell, tell a very quick story. I, I'm here in upstate New York, and I live on land that uh, actually was part of the Iroquois Confederacy for 700 years. And uh, during that time, they were free of war, And one of the reasons, there were several reasons, but one of the reasons was during that time, the chiefs of the tribes were actually selected by the clan mothers. And so (laughs) the clan mothers, of course, would watch all the kids while they were growing up. And they had ideas about who would be a good chief. And so it wasn't the strongest, most aggressive boys who became chiefs. It was the boys who most impressed the clan mothers. And that's an example of a society that leveraged the experience and the wisdom of older people to try to maintain peace among, you know, a half a dozen different tribes. What, what do we need to do in North America to create elderhood? What, what has to happen? What has to start to move? Again, I'm going to go back to your book. Uh, Your book has the answer. The book, the answer is stories. It's all about the stories. And when you live in a society where the only stories or the, 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 the primary source of stories 
uh, come from entertainment companies. You're living in a very different world than a society where the best stories come from the people who've lived the longest. And I think the great benefit of your book is taking the focus and putting it back on stories and storytelling, because that's how you change culture. That's how you, 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 you have a quote in your book that says, uh, you know, if you tell me a story, it will live in my heart forever. Yep. And uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's where the power is. I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering how we want to, I want to leave the listener with something to do, to, to think about. What an idea. May I make a suggestion? Yeah. Um, if you're listening, uh, here's what I'd like to say. If you're listening to this podcast, the thing you need to do after this podcast is get a pen and a piece of paper and start writing down stories. That's all. You don't have to publish them. You don't have to do anything, but you need to start approaching storytelling in a more serious fashion because, because there's so much to be gained from that. There's that, and then there's the, the the one I'd like to get at is how do we start to create an an elder category that follows adulthood? How do we start to res- build it, build it, and respect it? I think you you do that by uh, having uh, doing it yourself first, not waiting for other people. So I can say that I am an elder in the making. I, I happen to be at this point 58 years old. You mentioned the book, The Second Wind, which I've just looked up here. I love the title, Navigating the Passage to a Slower, Deeper, and More Connected Life. What's the uh, Coles Notes version of what this book will do to me? Well, Second Wind is really my attempt to take a second look at the story of the baby boom generation. As I was kind of looking at everything that's been published, and there's so much, it seemed to me that almost everything was written from the point of view of youth or with the idea that youth is the central pillar of the boomer generation's story. But as a geriatrician and somebody who does research on aging, I I know that there's more to the story than youth. So I I took a couple of years, did quite a bit of research, and really explored where the boomer story might take us. You know, what kind of aging experience might we see from uh, this generation? And just to summarize, I think the most important thing I learned is there's no single approach to aging for the boomers. There's actually going to be multiple different flavors and strands of aging, and they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And um, I think that, you know, because of the size of the generation, uh, the boomers are going to do a lot to define the nature of aging for a long time to come. And I thought it was just worth taking the time to dive deep into where the story goes from here. We usually give something to our, the, the uh, listeners of you know, the old Legacy Cafe. You got something you can loan them to stir their brain a little bit? Yeah, actually, I have a, a PDF, you know, a, a document that's super light and easy to read. Uh, in some ways, like your book, you use a lot of graphics, and so do we. Mm-hmm. That just helps you uh, put uh, growth into a lifelong context. Not, growth isn't just about youth, it's about the whole story. So if you'd like uh, this PDF that Dr. Thomas is giving us, head to LegacyCafe.org forward slash aging. LegacyCafe.org forward slash aging. 
and if you if you and you'll we'll also show you a, a, a picture of uh, Dr. Thomas's book, and you can uh, apprise yourself of that. And I'm going to get myself one because I love the title and what what you've told us about it. Thank you very much. This has been uh, intriguing and stirring, and I'm going to uh, generally watch my journey into elderhood, which is a few years away for me, but um, I think I'm going to approach it with a lot more enthusiasm than I thought I would when I was that 21-year-old kid. Absolutely. Listen, I, I just, before I go, I want to tell you how grateful I am to the you and the work that you do, and what a treasure I think uh, Legacy Cafe is. I'm really hoping uh, that you're able to transform ideas about legacy in this society. Just as an aside, there's an awful lot of enthusiasm towards finding out where we came from, and that's shown in the, in the DNA testing that's happening. What, what you mentioned, and I, we firmly believe in too, is we're, we're not getting the stories of our, of our uh, ancestors, but we have the ability, in, because of technology and, and the way we think, to leave the, our stories in real life, in real color, in audio and video and in, in, in print. Mm -hmm. Uh, for descendants 100, 200, 300 years from now. And by then, yes, there will probably be, because of your work, a very well-defined life stage called elderhood that is respected and, um, and listened to. Well, I hope so. That's what I'm aiming for. Terrific. Dr. Thomas is a free PDF for you. Again, legacycafe.org forward slash aging. And you'll read all about them on the Legacy Cafe and the book, The Second Wind. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Legacy Cafe. And thank you to Dr. Bill Thomas. Fascinating stuff. My name is Rob Lucy. Again, this is the Legacy Cafe. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Cafe podcast. We have lots of great conversations coming your way. And by the way, if you want us to send you reminders that a new podcast is ready for you, go to LegacyCafe.org to subscribe. That's LegacyCafe.org. Have a great day, and remember, the coffee and conversations are always hot at the Legacy Cafe. <laughs>